Well, hello, friends. My name is Taylor, and I run Game Closet, a podcast on the RPG Academy Network. And I'm here to talk to you about Cooking with Dice. Cooking with Dice aims to gamify your kitchen by combining classic RPGs and live-action cooking. Choose a character and level them up chef de cuisine using a set of magical formulas and thousands of variations. Roll the dice to create the perfect dish for your next game night or family dinner. You can find more at www.cookingwithdice.com. Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy Podcast. I am Michael, and tonight we are here with Nolan T. Jones from Roll20, and we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, particularly about the new Character Mancer update for Roll20, which at this point has probably been out for a few weeks, but it's still fairly new. Uh, and we're going to talk about some Gen Con stuff and maybe some just industry at large. So, Nolan, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me uh, yet again. It's, uh, it's good to be back for Always a pleasure. I think this is like a third or at, fourth time. At least third. At yeah, least. I, I uh, think yeah. so. I, but I, it, yeah, it would, it, you were uh, you were one of the earliest uh, podcasts that I was on, and, and as we are now entering, this is year six of Roll Twenty Land. Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got uh, a full blown toddler on your hands now, right? I know it, it just runs around and knocks things over and draws on the walls, <laughs> and uh, we're up to now. Uh, 19 uh full-time you know real employees uh in addition to like contractors and the like uh past that so it you know it's it's huge (laughs) is is how uh i feel about it it's one of those things like who could have thought back when it was uh myself richard and riley just kind of tinkering on it that we'd get here so yeah i I still remember from the first time we talked you guys did like a two-week kickstarter for like 300 bucks or something something stupid because you did yeah, it, it, so it, it was it was $5,000, but the, the thing that's funny about that is it was a, a Riley wouldn't let me do, because it was my idea to put on Kickstarter, and he was the one who did the initial programming, and he wouldn't let me do a month-long Kickstarter because he was like, I want it to fail quickly because this isn't going to work. Because it was yep. like, it was new in Kickstarter realm, uh, and it was like, it, he was like, I don't know what this thing is, it's probably not going to work out, there's probably not anything here, and we put it up, and we had that $5,000 in the first, like, 36 hours. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah. oh, oh. Uh, okay uh, <laughs> hang on uh, nice yeah so yeah that that's you know again i i know a bit different people have different opinions of kickstarter and i think for in many ways it has been a blessing and a boon to the gaming industry i think there's also some issues with it that you know people get burned people come up with crazy ideas they get money yeah. and they never follow through but i think that's just kind of life but it has allowed creators like yourself and even us through like our Catacon Kickstarters to do things that we never could have right. done without this. Well, and I, mean, I think to your point in terms of the burning and stuff like that, we've definitely, as a matter of fact, at Rule 20, we, we have like an overall policy of like, we don't work with speculative Kickstarters uh, in, in terms of like game creation. Like you have to have the game uh, basically finished uh, and, and be able to show us, you know, here it is as a Roll20 module if you want us to be part of, of your crowdfunding campaign. Because we have seen so many people, you know, they, they add 20 different stretch goals that they didn't have a way to get to. And it, it saddles them. And, and all that stuff is, you know, that's all different from when, you know, again, we're talking like six years ago now uh, when 
we were doing this, stretch goals weren't the way of the, you know, it hadn't been min-maxed to that degree. It was literally <laughs> yeah. just like, uh, it, you know, it, I literally got into it because a friend of mine, Frank Barbary, who's a comics book writer, uh, he does work with Image. He's done some some Marvel stuff. He had kickstarted one issue of a comic book, you know, 22 pages. <laughs> for, uh, oh, wow. And and I was like, oh, that worked. So you know, maybe maybe our little thing could uh, get enough that we can get back the hours we put in on it. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. It, now it's as you said, you know, it is it's this huge boon to the industry at large. And um, I mean, the the amount of the section that is tabletop gaming there is just a completely different world. Yeah, and it's really helped the industry grow. Yeah, I don't. I was trying, I'm trying to look the other day. I think I may have backed like one Kickstarter that wasn't in some way related to gaming. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm pretty much exclusively in that area. Just you know, other things, technical stuff. I'm just. I don't know. I just. I don't have as much interest in, and I certainly am not willing to throw some some bucks at somebody that is unproven, like a Kickstarter for like a module or a new RPG. You know, I'm much more willing to throw someone five bucks just to help them try to do this crazy thing because it's not really going to hurt me. Yeah. But I'm not going to drop like five hundred dollars on like a new fitness watch, iHome, right. no, you know, no, whatever that uh, will, may never happen. No, it, I think it's I think it's about you know a proof of concept. It, you know, it, I think that early on Kickstarter used to talk about it as being like funding your CD, <laughs> which was uh, how far this has come. But you know uh, that that the idea is you know it, a band with a couple of hits, uh, and they say they're recording a new record, and you. They give you the first track of that and say, "Hey, do you want to hear everything in this style?" And you you enthusiastically throw your dollars at the screen and yeah. and hope that they deliver in the range. And that's uh, and they, you know to that degree, you know, I, I I still have people who, you know, of the I think it was uh, how many backers were it there initially? Gosh, the, the number is low. I want to say there was only like two thousand some backers. Like it, it's it's wild to look back on. Um, how long back in the day that was but uh we still get people from time to time it was like hey i was a kickstarter backer uh and and i'm still here and that's one of those things this is kind of a i don't know uh it's it's wild to think of it in that way uh 1500 wow that's it that's That's nuts but but again that's all that's all you needed now 3.5 million users uh and started at 1500 people Holy smokes. That, yeah, that, that's a pretty good six years. So, uh, yeah. so again, and we've got way off already, but I imagine anyone listening to this knows who you are. But just in case, give us the elevator pitch. Who is Nolan? So, so I am one of the three co-founders of Roll20.net. It's the uh, it's the number one way to play Dungeons & Dragons on the internet. We're a virtual tabletop that, that exists as like a tool suite. Um, we, we try to mimic the things that you would be able to do at a table. So it's rolling dice, it's talking to each other, it's passing back and forth note cards, any of those sorts of things that help uh, maps and tokens uh, in a virtual space. Um, and it's, you know, it, it continues to grow as this wild community. And for the past uh, about a year and a half, I've been the managing partner. So I'm uh, my my partners uh, Riley and Richard who started with me have stepped out of the day to day and kind of given me the reins on things and so I've I've started to try to figure out what uh, what we exist like as less of a, a garage band and more of an orchestra uh, get a little bit more um, corporate and real and 
and button ourselves up and make certain. You know, very early on, Richard Riley and I set up the the goal of being a sustainable business, and it's like figuring out the next phase of that. Uh, so that's who I am. I'm, I'm the guy figuring out the next phase of Roll20. And so that's made the last year and a half really interesting. We, we kind of like almost went underground in some ways as we, you know, I think at the beginning of that time frame, uh, we had around eight people on staff. And mm-hmm. so now I've, I've you know, more than doubled uh, that and and it's been figuring out the things that we needed and also getting people up to speed within that process. Like you can't you cannot immediately add uh, all of those humans and not have some sort of uh, documentation process and some sort of right. idea of like, hey, here's what we're here's what we're doing. Here's what your job is. Yeah. Uh, and so it's been a that's been a really interesting I don't know arc in this past year and a half and and that kind of brings me to what what the character meant like so we put out at the end of last year two big updates one was a change to fog of war that allowed you to do like warcraft style like you reveal an area and the map still stayed but the tokens wouldn't uh so you know that, that sort of old school rts exploration setup um, and then we also did a pass on our WebRTC, which is our voice and video over the internet, and and tried to get that um, to a to a place that it could be used by more folks. We were having a bunch of stability issues that people's internet connections would fail silently, and then it wouldn't reconnect them, and it oh. took a, a yeah. And, and that's one of the, like that's one of those uh, early on in Roll Twenty Land. Uh, the amount of giant things that we took on that are now like assumed, like nobody else in the space is trying to do voice and video, uh, you know, and, and there are plenty of other voice and video things out there, but we want voice and video to stay a part of Roll20. And so like staying up to date with the new libraries and it, uh, that's a full thing. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and so that's been, uh, that was a part of the process, but we, in both those cases, it was like building on something that was existing. And we wanted to see if we could do like a, a large new feature. And we realized end of last year, uh, it probably probably actually end of last summer, uh, that we were really looking at what we had licensing wise overall. Uh, and the, you know, the, the big dog in that would definitely be uh, Wizards of the Coast and, and Paizo. But the... The overall licensing potential, as well. Uh, the I would say, you know, the amount of indie games that are out there that um, they don't really have adventure modules to sell, but they do have uh, player-based data, is the way we put it. Okay. To sell, and and we started to think about like what would be a way to better present player because so many of the things that we had done in Roll Twenty thus far had been game master focused. Uh, and so we, we started to sit down and be like, all right, well, what could we do that would help a player? And that's how uh, nine months later, we, we had a baby. Uh, and that <laughs> baby is, is Character Mancer. Okay, so I'll take a, a quick step backwards. Um, mm-hmm. So when you talked about your new, your, the newer expanded staff, I actually had a chance, we played a game with Stephanie just a couple days ago, her Threadbare RPG. Yeah. Um, which I'd never met her before. Very pleasant. I she yeah. made a great game. It's really fun. Uh, so that should I don't this will come out very close to that. I don't know if this will be first or that, but we we did a trial of that game that'll be out right before Gen Con. And I think 
I believe the last time that you were on, one of the big things we talked about was the licensing. Mm-hmm. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you now have official Wizards of the Coast licensing. Right. You can buy modules and it comes with all the maps and the packs and the tokens. Yeah. But a large portion of what your business does, and again, I have no inside knowledge, but from what I remember, yeah. is where people can create their own stuff. And you can sell stuff through the, the right. store. So in, in that regard, uh, two two very separate things I'd love to jump to. That one, uh, you know, Stephanie is a, is our new Scrum master, um, and she just started in April and has been uh, incredible for us. I think one of the things that's really amazing is like one, she's she's super trained on um, on Scrum, which is a is a methodology of like organizing coding teams, and that's been a a real boon to us. But beyond that, she is local. Is so Rule Twenty is completely remote. Other than that, we we do have a few more people in Vegas just because we've put you know some of our financial services and stuff like that here, and so Stephanie not only knows Scrum, happens to be local to me here in Vegas, also is user number three hundred and fourteen in the history of Roll Twenty, and is an original Kickstarter back, uh, which is one of those things that that was like, how does this person exist? Yeah. Um, it has been really, really excellent for for us, and and has really made a, an immediate impact on the team. Uh, as far as the the sales and that sort of stuff go, yeah, one of the so we there's two main methods in which Roll Twenty makes money. One is we have subscriptions set up, which are advanced features, and, and the way I I say that to people is you know like you're looking to really have a uh, a whiz pow game night. Uh, if you're one of those who goes over the top with it and and wants cool things like you know dynamic lighting. Being the maybe the, the prime example of a of a cool feature that is something that you know we uh, we charge to keep the service moving. There are subscriptions for that, and then there are also like individual art pack purchases or adventure purchases. And so, in that regard, there's a huge collection of of artists who have done work. Uh, a lot of them small independent artists who are now making uh, what I would describe as more than beer money off of selling things on our marketplace. Uh, some, of, some of them are making very good livings, uh, which is super duper cool uh, that that has occurred. And in the meanwhile, we've also gone out and done licensing. Uh, so we have uh, everything from Pelgrim Press 13th Age to uh, Modiphius Star Trek um, and more stuff on the way and in the works at all time. Uh, but the, you know, early on, and, and it's been interesting because if, Thinking back, you know, Roll Twenty began before D and D Next was being playtested. Uh, so we've seen the full gamut run now for the rise of Fifth Edition, and you know, have gotten to be fairly involved in that. I would say uh, that you know, we're we're now uh, almost caught up with selling everything that's in the the Wizards of the Coast back catalog. And I think um, you know, I'm I'm very pleased on on how that stuff has gone. That I think we've really made. You know, I I am, I am proud that when you're googling where to play D and D on the internet, we're still the first thing that comes up. <laughs> I think that that, that speaks to uh, the the player choice out there in the universe as to as to how well we're managing that. And so yeah, it, I think that uh, you know, the D and D type stuff has has been a really great. We got that license summer of 2016 and so about two years now and and it's been a it's been big you know it's definitely been an addition to what we were doing overall and made it you know one of the weird things about D, &D, i I remember explaining this to like 
uh, people's parents early on or, or at uh, wife's social functions of like, so you can't copyright the rules for chess. And so people can just play it. And as long as there's not images, that's okay. Uh, in terms of you know all of the games that were being run on Roll20. At the same time going, but gosh, it would be great if we could just sell the darn things because we would make a lot of money and they would make a lot of money. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely that has been the case in terms of, of licensing that I feel very good about where it's going. And, and I think it's one of those things that I can only get better as the hobby continues to expand. And, and I think that's one of those things, too, that's not a there's still space for I, I think people get worried when they hear some an application creator like myself coming into a space and being like, hey, we're, we're doing well. There's still room for books. There's still room for physical miniatures. There's still room for all of those things. Uh, I do honestly believe that the hobby is just straight up growing right now. It, it, all, all signs point to yes right. in regards to that. Uh, one of the, I'll say fans, listeners to our show that uh, I'm pretty close with is uh, Jen Gagney. She goes by Pixelscapes on Twitter. Yeah. I believe she's one of the people who does tokens for mm-hmm. Roll20. And we did a show probably about six, seven months ago where she went through like a tutorial for Roll20 on her YouTube to let people know like what they can do. And she said, like, even if I'm running at my house at my table, we still have Roll20 up and everyone has something on their laptops because it does so much lifting for her that she can still run a game in person, but she wouldn't run a game without using Roll20 at this point. Well, and I think what's funny about that is I, I saw somebody on Reddit literally this past week on, on the Roll20 subreddit going, okay, so I tried it out and I don't get it. And why does anybody do that? And I, I think that means that we've done it right. Is that like we exist in this space where we are a set of tools of which you don't have to use all of, of which you only may use parts of, or you may just go, well, I could just get in the Skype call and roll on the desk in front of me, and I don't need any of this. And I, I think that that is very true to the hobby in person. You know, in person, do you need all the miniatures and all the maps and all that? No. Uh, you, can, you can literally just get, I mean, I, I read a, I forget who put out the article uh, about D&D in prison. And the, the things that, you know, they're not allowed to have dice. And so the way that they choose to, to enter randomization and figure things out so they can do that. And it's like, it, these games are so theater of the mind and there's so many different ways to do it. Uh, we're just a set of tools that encompasses several of those ways. Uh, and I, I really like being in that space where like, I, I get so many people make video games and stuff like that that are literally addiction machines. And we get to operate in this cool space where it's like, no, we're just here to help. Like, use us <laughs> if you want to. If you don't, cool. Uh, and there's a lot of people who want to. And that's uh, that's fun. So I want to sell you on your next big idea. You ready? Here's, here's a pitch okay. meeting. We'll give, okay. it to you, give it to you for free. Because I'm seeing this all over the place now is where these homemade um, game tables with the built-in oh. monitors. You should just... The, the overhead on that is... <laughs> is absolutely absurd i mean yeah. they're, they're, like there's, i mean what geek chic just like fell apart not too long ago yeah the i i can't it, remember i just said my entire company's remote i don't have the giant warehouse yeah. <laughs> i'm trying to keep it that way but uh, if you get like this one made just you uh, know that roll 20 logo on the side I'm telling you it would be uh <laughs> it, you're you're not the first uh, oh, really to say that and and i won't be the last and that that's one of those things that it's it's a cool 
realm, but man, oh man. Yeah. Those things are expensive. Now, I, uh, I think, go ahead. But what, honestly, what's more likely, I, I think, in the future is should augmented reality take off? I think that Roll20 fits really well in that space um, where you're sitting at an actual table in your house. I'm sitting at an actual table in my house. And we're both seeing the same stuff mm-hmm. uh, on the table between us. I, I really do think that if we get to the point that things like Google Glass or, um, oh, what's the, my, my brain just went dead on me, Microsoft's, um, uh, Microsoft HoloLens, uh, it also sits in that same realm where, uh, you know, you're able to see your surroundings. So it's not like, <laughs> like, where the heck am I? And you're, you're sucked into a video game. But I think it's the sort of thing that it'll make sense to, you know, you uh, literally one of the, for HoloLens, one of the first videos they put out was of a guy cooking and talking with his mom at the same time. He's got the video of his mom on the wall and the recipe on another wall. And he's just like placing things in the room minority report style and looking at them as they're attached and doing the task in front of them. And and, uh, the moment I saw it, I was like, oh man, like that's, that's (laughs) where the future goes. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Uh, I think augmented reality is going to get there before virtual. Yeah. I I think that's the next step out someday. Maybe we'll have holodecks, but I don't think we're there. No, nowhere close on holodecks, but. All right. So let's, let's talk about the character mancer specifically. So for me, someone who doesn't play on roll 20, most of the time I'm playing at my house around my table with my friends. What is this new thing? So this new thing is, as we said, uh, character-aimed data, uh, player-aimed data. And so essentially what it's doing is it's taking, uh, it's allowing you to make characters quickly. It's allowing you, and the way that we did this, and uh, one of the things that I'm really proud of in this process is that we tied it into our overall character sheet making so that you could go for any number of systems and create like this is this is essentially a funneling and sorting system. Okay. It's not it's not just a so we went and we did the Dungeons and Dragons version of it to launch with it and we'll also be doing some other versions that exist in our licensing realm but like there's loads of games that are being played on Roll20 that are things that you know fans are into that, that we don't have licensing uh, that you know it's essentially home home creations. And so in that regard, this funnel exists for other people to go and try to sort character creation and stuff like that for different systems. And I think we're going to see more and more uh, elements of that. But it, I mean, with Dungeons and Dragons, you're able to make a fifth edition character on Roll20 now in less than a minute uh, in terms of selecting the options. It's not like randomized. You just like you pick your background, your class, your race, and it's done. So it, it's not just random. Like it, it's going through and making the, the selections as far as what you want. And it's just easy you know, it's all laid out there in a methodology that's that's easy to consume. Okay, and and so in that regard, you know, it definitely took some time to figure out um, in a in a way that was not system bound what the different like if you think of all the different character creation options that are out there across all of games, how you would kind of bucket those to make an experience that made any sort of sense as a funnel mm-hmm. that would spit out a character at the other end. Uh, that's what we did, and that's why it took so long. And then we turned around and went, "Okay, here's the uh, here's the D and D version, and more on the way, including uh, Pathfinder and a, and a few others down the road here pretty quickly." So, to, so to visualize this, if I was going to do that, there would be some sort of option on the screen. I pick fifth edition, yep. and then I'm gonna have like class first, or even like 
race yep. so so i mean it goes through the the start your abilities your race your class your your feats your equipment all of those things depending on what system it is and walks you through the choices that you would have to make if you were filling out a character sheet right. and does it in a way that is uh, i think one of the things that i'm most excited about is like it, it, it feels very newcomer friendly like it if you're if you're one of those people that picks up a player's handbook uh for the first time and went <gasps> like i have to read all 200 some pages of this before and, and this this takes care of that okay um, you know, are you still going to have decision paralysis? Yes, I can't tell you whether or not you want to be a tiefling or a dragonborn. That's a that's a self uh, existential question that you got to figure out. But um, as opposed to having to read all of that to make the next decision, or to to have an idea of what that decision impacts, because I, I think that's really the area where folks get hung up is like, oh, well, I did this. And it changes these scores, and it moves this thing, and now what do I do? Um, so yeah, we've th- and this is the the first pass of it. We will be doing more right now. Uh, we create level one characters uh, with this setup. Uh, it's going to be able to do more uh, as as time goes on, and that's it, that's exciting. Like it, it really does give an ability to uh, jump in quickly. I think that we're going to see a lot of it with things like uh, Adventurers League and Society Play and, and those sorts of realms where people are looking to make things and grind them up and go. And I, I think that that's a, uh, a real boon. But I, I also, you know, it, so it serves both ends of the spectrum. The person who's brand new and the person who's super experienced at this. Uh, and then, you know, the, the added benefit of, yeah, it spits out into Roll20. Uh, and so... It's giving you the ability to just really pick up, play, and go. So, a couple questions there I have. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm a player in Roll Twenty. I have I have a player account. How many character sheets could I potentially store? Like, I I can make them so easy. I might go make like a fifty just for you fun. Could, you could do a lot. Uh, so, so storage is based on things like images uh, in Roll Twenty, and so that's where you're going to end up capping yourself out. Uh, the there is another thing cap wise to discuss. And that is, as far as the licensing end of this goes, um, we've actually, so these pull from the compendiums that we have. So in, in compendiums are essentially a way to present any of the data that's coming in a rule book on Roll20. And previously, you could search all that data, drag and drop it onto the, to the tabletop, and you could still do all of that. In a, like if you buy a, an example, Player's Handbook D&D 5th Edition Compendium, um, you can take that, pull it out in your games in the ways you want to and, and share there. But what we've now done is that the sharing to your group automatically has limits. And so what that means is, uh, is that now for free users, you can purchase any compendium and then your share goes into one game for plus, I believe it is uh, three active games. And for pro, it is five games in terms of your account levels. And the reasoning there was, one, we we went and did some research in terms of how many games people are playing with various accounts. We went and and did some research on how many people are in games in terms of of monitoring this. But we do want to make certain that we are, like, one, it's that uh, the HBO Go problem where uh, one person has an account and that's all that has an account in all the world and we're all on that one person's HBO Go account. Uh, and that was something that uh, it, what's what's cool about the situation is that we're we're sitting in this world where publishers know 
that the real-world interaction with these games is not all five players go by a player's handbook. They know that's not what's happening. And so they've allowed us to mimic that in the digital world in a way that I think really makes sense, that it really is what the amount of sharing that people who aren't just looking to be weirdo pirates are looking to do. Uh, And in that regard, I'm pretty excited about it. Like we've, uh, the, the feedback on it has been good. And I think that we're going to be able to see more and more things done in this way where, you know, you're really going and you're making a purchase on behalf of, uh, of your groups, the people that you're playing with and, and able to make a real difference there in terms of what you're sharing with them. And, and in that regard, you know, I'm talking about active games here. So that allows you the option to, you know, it's, it's the same thing as like, you're coming to a table with your book and saying, okay, everybody sit down and make characters using all of this. Uh, and that doesn't stop you from taking it to another table later. Right. Uh, which it really, uh, in terms of digital rights management and how awful it can be, uh, I'm super pleased with how everybody was able to be cool about this <laughs> and and figure it out in a way that was uh, sensible. And I, I really do think works for all parties uh, users included, which is rare in digital rights management. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll see as time goes on what the feedback is and and how folks feel. But uh, thus far, the amount of oh my gosh, I can't use it with enough people that I'm not hearing uh, since we've launched this says that we set the limits properly and that we figured this out in a way that it really is just like a, a piracy buffer at this extreme end, as opposed to. Okay, and now you must fill out this form in triplicate. Uh, <laughs> digital rights nonsense. You're right. Now, sorry, I have a couple of things that flashed in my head. Sure. So, so again, yeah. so this I'm is rambling. this is a free service. This is part of the anybody can have access to that. Right. So, okay. so the character mancer is is free in its essence. Uh, the the rule systems and their utilization depend on what compendiums you have access to. And so in that regard, you know, it's like open gaming license stuff. Everybody's got access to it. Uh, so in that element, um, there's going to be a lot more things that are Pathfinder available to all without purchase than there are for other systems because so much of their stuff so is much. OGL. Right. Yeah. Um, but it, this is something we're going to roll out with a bunch of different rule sets, some of which are going to sit in that free space, some of which are going to sit in the, hey, this is the same as if you were buying the PDF of this game. Gotcha. Uh, and I, I really think that that makes for a, uh, a, a... All of the models that exist in the role-playing game get to exist with this tool uh, is in so much as there's character creation. So uh, hang on and uh, and see what all we've got in store here. But it, it really does kind of open up uh, new licensing realms to us. And, and one, and also just new... Uh, new things that we can do for the games that are openly licensed. So currently it's D&D 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, any idea when the next system will come online and when very, that will be? Very soon. Uh, I, I'm still waiting for a public date on that. I don't believe it's been said anywhere. Uh, just as we're trying to iron out the the amount of... So at this point, we've got several folks on the team who are working on a variety of systems. And it's a question of what falls where. And then, you know, when we've got time to, to sit through and give it the proper marketing push and those sorts of things. But we've, we've already teased uh, Pathfinder really clearly. 
uh, as as far as uh, our intention to do that. But you know, there's there's gifs of that running around out on the internet. Uh, but we've got more than that in store, and more planned just for the compendium overall, data wise. It's just a matter of how many of those things we can we get done in a reasonable amount of time. And you know, it, this is also one of those. You know, it, one of the things Roll20 philosophically is when we go out and do something new is that we always kind of also try to return back and do some old things. And so it, it's balanced right now as we plan our next few updates of, all right, what parts of this are going to be character mancing and what parts of this are going to be other stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. So the other question I had about the character mancer specifically is when I'm making my choices, mm-hmm. Do I get to see how that affects things, or is that all hidden until I'm done and then I basically process out? No, you you can get some idea of of what's going on, and then there is a compiling process at the end of it. But okay. you will see some uh, some of the interplay. Like we do with Fifth uh, Edition, have an order to it so that some of the choices that impact the other ones can play out for you and and make that work. So like if uh, I, I have my stats and I choose half orc. I'll see right. what my strength is. If I change that to yep. an elf, I'll see that my strength is now different in my... Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. And so it, it makes it... Again, the idea is here that you're... you If you're doing that in conjunction with the player's handbook, you've bought a player's handbook from us, so everything that exists in the player's handbook exists in us. And so it, you know, we, we okay. make it play out and we make it as easy as we can on you. Uh, and you can access that you know, in the compendium straight in a, in a fashion that doesn't have... Uh, we actually... It, that is something we held off on releasing the D&D player's handbook in, in regards to the idea that, you know, we'd just essentially be releasing, okay, here's pages of data. Uh, like it, it, it had no pizzazz and no pop and, and it didn't connect in the ways that we wanted it to. Uh, so we, we really did sit down and go, okay, how do we make this an experience that's, uh, that's functional? And then beyond that, how do we, how do we make it an experience for all of the other systems that get played? Um, which is it, you know, that's, that's why it took baby time to make, uh, yeah. is that it, it was not a small feat. Uh, it really, it, I, I recall early on one of the first like visual brainstorming sessions, uh, trivia who runs our module production team and, uh, Steve, who's the lead developer had made a series of charts for all of the funneling of information that could come together to do this. It was just like, Oh, <laughs> like <none> of, <laughs> that's too much. Uh, how and that's uh, that's really cool yeah. uh, that there is a an end to that story and you know that there is something out there. Well, and I, I guess I should say like it's uh, we are now at the uh, the end of the beginning of that story. There's a whole bunch of other things that we can do with this and are are starting to fiddle with. So right. yeah. I would suggest a complete random option because that would be fun. Is just be able to click a button and I have a random character to go. <laughs> Right, uh, my character there are, roulette. <laughs> there's there's a bunch of different things that uh, that fit into that realm, and, and I think that we are interested in just overall. I think it's it's trying to figure out, and it, it, and you see the community working at various uh, APIs and stuff like that to to try to do those things with um, with uh, gameplay and, and pull in from places to have all that quick generation stuff. Uh, you'll see more and more of that from us over time. It's just a matter of uh, how much can we chew in individual settings at any given time. And, and that is something you know, we've always kind of approached from a mindset of failing fast. You know, you, you bite off a small thing, 
you get it good and chewed and then you circle back around in case it is you know a terrible horrible idea <laughs> uh, like, early on we swore we were never going to do character sheets uh at the start of roll 20 you know it's it's all over been a a process into the things that we add on uh because it get it does get cluttered it does get uh you know painful to to try to figure out where you are in the interface and what you're doing if you don't stop take time sand something off and clean it up and and so that's always going to be part of the process and and you know in large part uh what we've been doing in the past year and a half since since uh, I've been managing partners, like looking kind of at internal processes and figuring out uh, it, one of the things we did, uh, no glamour, not sexy, not cool at all, is, is we changed just our, our overall staging environment and the pieces it had built onto it for when we're doing development ourselves um, so that it better mimicked what we were doing when we pushed things to the production server that people are playing on. And that's one of those things like... Uh, there's nothing uh, exciting about that to the end user, but it means things are going to be less busted uh, as we work on them. And, and so you take time to do those sorts of things. And, and I think that there's just going to be, there's a lot more of that that sits and available. It, it, right now, as we are planning on the next update, you know, I already know a handful of the things that are in it. And we're also kind of planning the update behind that. And the the whiteboarding of the amount of things that everybody wants to do yeah. uh, at the same time as trying to figure out like what do we need to do like what are the things that are are in the worst state right now and need the most fixes uh, and I think we continue to get better at that process. It's just a matter of now like speeding that process up um, because in the early days we we shot so many things out the door like with a small development team you can get things out the door. But there's no documentation for how you did it. There's no... It, it, seriously, it's like, okay, here's a car. And you don't know what that knob does, uh, but it's here. And, uh, yeah, that's that definitely makes for a uh, whoa uh, setup. And, and, I mean, now we're to a point where we've got so many of the basic things that you... Like, we exist as a virtual tabletop. Uh, people use us. It's here. We're not in a fight for our lives. We have time to slow down and go, okay, uh, do we want to move this feature here? Do we want to uh, make this part easier to get through? Um, and more brain space and, and time to jump into those things. And, and it's everything from, you know, it, in this update, we did uh, as well a repaint of our wiki and our character vault so just like changed the styling on things and made it better we overhauled and actually this made some problems uh, our text editor on the website has been awful on character sheets for years and we completely overhauled that um, but there were some things in terms of like a previous library being switched there that weren't uh, we didn't do in the right order oh uh, so we had, we had to run back through and make some changes there in the days afterwards uh, but you know, all of that is the sort of things where it's like people have been complaining about how bad text editing is on Rule 20 forever. And it's not one of those things that like are the general user walking down the street is not excited if I say to them, we're working on text editing. Right. Uh, but it, it's a quality of life issue that you go, all right, when do we slate that in? Because like this does bother. You know, yeah. I'm on the forums and I try to put in a table and it doesn't do what I want it to in the way I want it to. How do we fix this? Uh, and that's a that's a fun juggling act to figure <laughs> out amongst everybody and the community. 
Uh, but it, I, I do really believe that we're getting, uh, we're making progress there. And as we bring on and train up more people, uh, that's going to be better. And I'm, uh, that's a cool place to be in where you really do. Uh, being a software as a service is an odd industry to live in, uh, and particularly one that's browser-based because the browsers are constantly updating and changing yeah. on you. And, and so you're keeping up with that. And uh, But at the same time, it, it does make for you know the living version of what you do uh, is you know, there, there is always work. There's always something to, to be advancing. And so, uh, well, and, and I mean, even just the industry at large, there's new games coming out. Oh, yeah. Uh, all the time. All the time. <laughs> and so, you know, it, like, hey, here's a crazy new dice mechanic. Can you guys handle this? Uh, and that, that gives us things to keep on chipping away at uh, and working on. So it's, uh, it's a good time to be doing what we're doing. I am able, and one of those things too that that makes this whole journey wild to me is like we couldn't have been doing this uh, ten years ago. Like the where voice and video over internet is now is completely different. Oh yeah, uh, and our, our ability to communicate is, is just a radically different thing than where it was. Uh, and we just happen to be on this bleeding edge of this particular uh, industry. Oh yeah, yeah. Again, right time, right place. Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. So besides the, the character mancer, is there anything else you can tease about what will be coming up next or just even anything else about Roll20 in general that you want to talk about before we move on? I mean, on? I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely taking some time and looking at uh, the suggestions form and how we can best slice. Uh, so on, on Roll20, we do have an area that's literally just like, hey, what do you want us to be working on? And, and people get to vote on those sorts of things. And so I was talking earlier about you know, the things that we do that are bleeding edge. And one of the things that we do that's bleeding edge is, is our voice and video over internet and how we do that. Uh, but in addition to that, we do a bunch of image uh, presentation and rendering that is, uh, that is a little wild. Uh, so if you're familiar with Canvas and WebGL as, as programming elements, those are the things that would allow you to have like a graphical, a graphical manipulation setup, like a like a Photoshop knockoff, or one of those you know art installation websites where you're going and you're slapping something around and it shoots off particle effects and all those sorts of things. So so there's plenty of people that do those sorts of projects right on the internet, uh, but in both those cases, they, those are projects aimed at one person at a time, and we're trying to render those things for five or six people simultaneously. And so it, it has some some unique and bizarro and it like it needs to not break all of the other things going on. Right. Yeah. And we have on top of that um, our our API, our application programming interface uh, that allows you to get involved and do things on top of that. And so those those are those three areas: the API, the the WebGL rendering, and the stuff that we're doing with voice and video. Uh, they're all kind of you know there's not a whole lot of people doing them on the level that we're doing them. And so in those areas, we're trying to kind of figure out what our strengths and weaknesses are and, and make progress there. But a bunch of things right now in the suggestions form sit into that WebGL space where people are like, Hey, we want you to render additional layers to the interface. 
so that you know it's not just a map layer and a token layer and a game master layer but i want my second token layer that i'm using just for these things or i want uh so it lots of or you know do something wilder with 3d dice than you're already doing do something in uh in overall dynamic lighting that's you know right now it's it's literally just like darkness versus light well can you make it colored light and can you do this and so in that realm uh we're trying to get a handle on what things we might be able to do in what order and not all that's going to come quickly like uh, when i'm talking about that that's some of the big works of it um that's not what's necessarily coming up next but we're sitting down and, and having the conversations now about all right how do we get those things lined up and that's really the uh the gist of non-character mancer things that are next and there's a there is a bunch of additional character mancer things um outside of that there's a there's a secret project being referred to as gas ball that i can't tell you anything about that's not taking a whole lot of developer time right now very exciting thing very weird thing uh got teased at origins we'll have some more teasing at gen con maybe even an announcement ahead of that I can't tell you anything. Uh, Project Gasball, stay tuned. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, I hate being the the, the cryptic uh, nonsense person, but we have started in uh, on one of the first things I did when I took over was was uh, sit down and, and kind of go pie in the sky in terms of stuff that we wanted to do. And we, uh, we brought together a really cool team. In addition to, this is not our full-time folks. We contracted with some people to do something that was additional and not just the interface uh and it's going to be a fun thing in the role-playing game industry uh coming up soon i probably just overhyped all of this uh but it's uh, i'm excited for uh project gas ball and the things it has and the people involved in it i think are the sorts of folks that uh anyone who's around the industry is going to be kind of excited by uh this squad all right. So this isn't a branded tabletop with a monitor in it. No, it is not a branded <laughs> tabletop with a monitor. It it did not. Uh, it while well, this had a a strong overhead, it did not have uh, that sort of physical component to it. But, right, so uh, so you mentioned Gen Con because I'm just being silly yeah. here. Uh, so we're recording this. We're right out three weeks out. Uh, by the time oh. people are listening to this, it will probably be a matter of days. Oh. Uh, so what's Gen Con look like for the Roll Twenty team? What are you doing presenting there? So Gen Con's a, a little odd this year for us. Um, we, we do have a collection of panels uh, that we have going on that are advanced Rule 20, basic Rule 20, uh, talking about uh, you know, best practices when uh, safety mechanics with a group in terms of you know, interpersonal talk, uh, licensing type stuff. Uh, but, uh, and this is super odd. So we've won Enies before. As a matter of fact, we, we joke quite a bit about uh, so the Enies had a best software category for four years and we won it all four years and then they got rid of the category. Uh, thank you to the folks at home who voted uh, <laughs> so robustly for us. Uh, that is super cool. But we, we've we never had a full on like uh, that, that is very much you know, population. Uh, I I was chosen as a industry guest of honor. I'm one of three oh. alongside. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Anita Sarkeesian, who's uh, Feminist Frequency, and Jordan Weissman, who's the creator of uh, like the Battletech pods. Oh, uh, okay. He's one of the, the originators of um, WizKids. 
Uh, and so he's, he's got a, a whole bunch of uh, industry experience well. Uh, and me? <laughs> yeah. uh, which is uh, re- like, where does the time go? I, I, I definitely still feel like I'm the, uh, I'm the indie, indie provocateur on the outside uh, throwing cans at the industry overall. Uh, and so it, it is, uh, I'll have a, a group panel with them and then an, an individual panel uh, being moderated by Tanya the Pass of I Need the First Games, who's, a, who's a, one of my favorite folks in the industry and does a, a lot of great content creation out there. And so I've, I've got kind of a, a fancy, weird uh, Gen Con in this regard. I still feel like there's been some terrible mistake and I'm going to go out there and, and just uh, cause trouble for everybody. It's like, do you know who you're putting a mic in front of Yeah. Um, in terms of where I sit in this industry? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were Nolan J. Tones. Yes, I'm no, sorry. Yeah. That that's fine. <laughs> I'm 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 perfectly cool with that end of it. I think it's more the uh, the element of it of where it's like, you know, I there there are things in the industry that that rankle me, and I'm I, I've been you know like just just the idea overall. I I think this is something you know early on Roll Twenty was like. Well, how like where is your descendancy from Gary Gygax? And it's like nowhere. Uh, I played some fourth edition and I liked it. And they're like, "You like fourth edition? What's wrong with?" And it, it, it's a it's an assembly of those sorts of gatekeeping weirdness. It, even things like you know, well, it's a hobby industry and there's no money in it. Well, yeah, I got 19 full time employees and we pay them decently and there's benefits. Uh, you're wrong. Like it's not just a niche and we aren't just here to 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 fake. Like there's there is something here that is uh that is real and so i look at things like uh there there are publishers who are like oh well we can't pay anybody anything it's like well that's not that's it, then maybe you're approaching the market wrong maybe there's a different way to to do what you are doing and so in that regard i, I definitely uh i'm a troublemaker uh <laughs> in terms of, of how some folks view the industry um and, and i mean even in that in the fact that i'm digital as opposed to uh, the the meat space, I think is something that is a little bit unusual. And so, yeah, it, it, it definitely feels weird to be like, okay, recognized member of our industry. That's uh, you know, that's odd to me. Well, I, from my standpoint, looking at, I could certainly see your contributions, your company's contributions to the industry as a whole are massive. So I yeah. do think it's, I, I think you deserve to be in that room with, with anybody. Thanks. Uh, I'll, I will, I will try to take the compliment, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it, it's, it's going to be fun. And, and that is, you know, the way I'm looking at it is like, uh, this is, you know, a, a new experience for the, for the company at large. And it is kind of, it is definitely cool to have, uh, it, you know, an industry recognition um, in that sort of way. And it's definitely not just about me in that regard too, that it is, you know, that, that the company as a whole, uh, you know, is, is a very large thing now. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, dealing, uh, dealing with that and recognizing that and moving on. But yeah, it, it should be a really, uh, I think this is, I think this is Gen Con six for me. Uh, I've, I didn't go the, the, Right as Roll Twenty came out, uh, Richard and Riley went to that one, but I had gone to too many comic book conventions that year, and was uh, and was burnt. Hmm. Uh, but have been going uh, every year since. And I mean, I I love the show. It's uh, it is 
you know, everything from the opportunities to sit down a game, the true dungeon stuff, the, you know, the, the people you get to see in the industry that you don't otherwise get to see throughout the year. Um, and, you know, St. Elmo's Steak House, uh, <laughs> which is reason enough as far as I'm concerned to, to make a trip to Indianapolis. Um, but it, it should be... Uh, should be good. I assume you're going to yes. Well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much uh, a mainstay there now. I yeah, I had never gone to any convention, like any convention for anything prior mm-hmm. to going to Gen Con. I think four years ago, maybe five. I'm my memory's going, and I loved it so much. Like yeah. I and I mean I've said this many times before, but a Catacon, which is the convention that I hold, yeah. is directly because I like Gen Con so much. I'm like I can't wait a year to do this yeah. again. So we're going to do our own because that was so much fun. Um, and I was going to say to you, if you, if you want to come to a convention with no responsibilities and just come no and play games for three days, Catacon in November might be something to look into. I'm so bad at traveling. Maybe. Well, we'll see. Uh, I, it, it's funny. Anybody who's hearing me say that as they've, as they may have seen my uh, Twitter feed this past. So I have been married now, uh, for it'll be 11 years in August. And in the first 10 years of my union, uh, my spouse and I traveled for non-work, non-family, two times, uh, which is not a, not a good batting average. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and then this past year, we decided uh, Las Vegas got a hockey team. The hockey team was good. And we decided literally in December, hockey playoffs start in like April, that if this team made a playoff run, we were going to follow them. Uh-oh. And so I've just been on this uh, <laughs> the first time non-work, non-family uh, traveling for any extent of anything where I, I got to go to L.A., San Jose, uh, Winnipeg, and D.C. on a tear. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a very fun uh, early summer, late spring for me. So, but, Sounds like a lot uh, of fun. Uh, it was. Uh, but overall, I'm a... I'm an awful trouble. I'm six foot seven. I don't fit on planes. <laughs> I uh, the the good news is I work remotely, so if I do it right, I can sit down with my laptop and uh, still work. But that's not traveling, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're not doing, yeah. Yeah. You get something there. All right. So as we wrap up here, what are you playing when you're when you get around and play games? What's your game of choice right now? Board game, RPG, either one, oh. or video games, even. Uh, um. In this realm, so I've, I've mostly been playing Edge of the Empire uh, and then some other things that are related to licensing worlds that I uh, that if I hadn't said that they were related to licensing worlds, I could tell you. But I'll, 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 leave, I'll leave some blank spots there. Okay. Uh, it, other than that, I, I still do play, uh, for those who are aware, World 20 sponsored an esports team, uh, and I, I still play video game-wise a, a fair amount of Heroes of the Storm. Um, and that continues to be you know, a Blizzard's game. I, I, I think it is the most magnificent video game ever made. And that's my... I, uh, when, I, when I play role-playing games, I play a lot of them in person because being in the Roll20 interface can be a little work. Uh, but um, Hard to separate when it's... Right. Uh, yeah. You're like, I want to move that thing! Uh, and it's just not that I don't play in Roll20. I do. It's just a matter of like trying to have a balance there. Uh, there is a, a game that I've been playing weekly on Roll20 here recently. But, um, yeah, HOTS is a nice break uh, from everything. And I somehow made it into work by sponsoring an esports team in that realm. <laughs> uh, but it, it's one of those things that, you know, it, it's a it's such a difference. You know, tabletop games overall are games where everybody wins. Uh, and 
and we're sitting there. And it's more like being in a, in a writer's room than it is about like competition. Whereas Heroes of the Storm feels to me like playing basketball. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a, we're teammates. We got to pass the ball at the right time. I hope everybody's ready. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like having that as a, uh, as a break between things. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've, uh, what I've been up to in the gaming realms. All right. Well, very cool. Well, Nolan, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. Uh, again, congratulations on the success of Roll20, uh, on being you know uh, an industry insider this year at Gen Con. Probably our paths might cross in the mass of 60,000 people. So I'll, wa- I'll wave. Will. You can wave at me, and that'll yeah. be good enough. Uh, but yeah, but thank you for joining. If you ever have anything you want to talk about Roll20-wise or anything else, just let me know. Ha- happy yeah. to have you on. Um, uh, always a pleasure. And just in case, where should people go if they want to track you down and ask you questions or uh, if they want to check out Roll20 for themselves, where should they go? Roll20.net is the easiest way to check out Roll20. Uh, myself, I'm at Nolan TJ if you want to follow me on Twitter, but all I talk about is anime. So there's not <laughs> like, if, if, if you're coming for the sweet role-playing insight, you rarely get it there. Instead, it's like, hey, here's this Adachi manga I'm reading right now. Uh, who's into that? Uh, yeah, sorry. Not sorry. Yeah. Not not sorry enough to stop. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. And with that, good night, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. <laughs>